What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Neil of the band Dopapod over Zoom video. Neil was born and raised in Boulder, Colorado, and he talks about how he got into music. His mom is a musician. She is a flautist and also a piano player, so she put him and his brother in piano lessons at an early age and then ended up taking drum lessons at an early age as well. His brother was interested in guitars, so he started playing guitar but always loved the drums, never really stuck with the guitar. So he played drums all through middle school and high school, played in different bands, played in the jazz band and the concert band through school, ended up attending the University of Colorado as a percussionist. He did that for a couple of years and soon realized he wanted to really pursue a career in music. So he transferred to Berkeley. When he was attending Berkeley, that's how he met the guys in Dopapod. We talk about them starting the band, their early tours, some big milestone moments for the band. The last shows they were able to play before COVID, actually they were one of the first bands to do a live stream. The day everything shut down, they were supposed to play in Columbus, Ohio, and they knew it was stopping and somebody in their camp knew about live streaming and kind of was like, hey, we should try to do this. So they ended up live streaming the show that day. We also hear all about their new record and the amazing concept for the vinyl. If you're going to want to buy the vinyl and Neil will tell you why, the idea they've came up with is absolutely brilliant. You can watch the interview with Neil on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, it'd be rad if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five-star review if you have a chance. That would be awesome. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Dopapod. My name's Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. And we'll talk about the the new music coming out with with, uh, Dopapod. Cool. Sweet. Um, awesome. Well, first off, well, the, I did see or read the band started uh, in Boston at Berkeley. Did you, were you born and raised in the Boston area or where, no. did, where were you born and raised? So I'm actually from uh, Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Talk to me about that. Uh, yes. Uh, I, you know, I grew up in a very supportive family. My mom did some music. And definitely had my older brother and I start piano lessons, you know, it's like first, second grade. Wow. Uh, okay. So yeah, she, she like plays a little bit of piano and is mostly plays flute, but she was just very, you guys should play, play some music. So, you know, super grateful for that. It was really fun. Um, I got pretty good at piano, uh, but then, <laughs> and then later my brother started to take drum lessons. And of course I was like, well, I want to do that too. And older so brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, <laughs> his name's Brian. And uh, I'm sure, it, you know, looking back at it later, it's like, oh, I'm sure that worked out really well for my parents to just be like, here, you take these two kids for an hour instead of just one of these for half an hour. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so Did they had to buy two drum kits or just one? You guys had to trade yeah. off. Yeah, just one. Okay. And so that was really great. You know, I, I really got into drums. And then, of course, he went on to start taking some guitar. So I followed to that too, 
but drums really stuck with me. That was just what I felt the best at and had mm-hmm. the most fun doing. Um, so yeah. And Did then you-, you know, I was doing music here in Colorado. I went to see you for two years doing the music program percussion department. Okay. And that was really cool, but I felt like I just, there wasn't really much like drum set playing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it more like drum line, like marching band stuff? It or? Was actually, no, it was more like, uh, like marimba. Xylophone, uh, okay. And then like concert percussion. So like, yeah, like snare drum, those kinds of things. It was super fun. Love doing that stuff. But I was just like feeling very like, I want to play in a rock band. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, so, to back up a little bit here. Um, so did you play like through in percussion through like middle school band and high school band and everything? Were you like in the jazz band? Like how, how did that work as far as like your education went? Yeah, we had um concert band in middle school and then the, and we had jazz band in middle school as well. So the last couple of years of that were, uh, you know, I did drum set and in the jazz band and then definitely did that into high school. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <Fair enough>. um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, my high school jazz band was like really good. It was like known in the state to be one of the better uh, jazz band outfits. Um, mm-hmm. So that was super fun. And so like, yeah, I would do like jazz band in school on drum set and then started a bunch of like heavy metal rock bands, uh, you know, at, with my friends. Right. Right. Did you ever play with your brother? I mean, it sounds like your brother went on to guitar and you yeah, did, stayed on drums. We both had bands and we both played lots of instruments, but we were kind of like always on a different page in our like musical interests. And he was into more like rock. I mean, he showed me all the stuff that I ended up listening to, but it was always like later, like he showed me tool when I was in middle school and I was like, yeah, I don't really like this. And then in high school, I'm like, Oh my God, this is my favorite band. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. He was even more like alternative, like uh three eleven and like it's kind of that stuff. And that wasn't really my thing. I was even, I was into like punk rock, but it was more like no effects and like, mm-hmm. you know, fast thrash. We play fast, <laughs> the yeah. fast yeah. songs. <laughs> That's cool. Does he still play? I'm just curious now. Uh, he does like a little bit, just like his bedroom stuff. He, like, not, yeah. Not professionally. Yeah, He doesn't really play out or anything. Okay. So you ended up uh, going to college for two yeah. years. You said at uh, Colorado university, the university of Colorado in Boulder or university of Colorado. Okay. And you went there for, for two years and you were studying music at the school. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I was in the music department, the percussion department. And, um, yeah. did you, what did, was it just not like, like obviously Berkeley is known for, for what it's known for. So was that even something you like in the beginning, like when you're graduating high school, did you not, were you not interested in going there or like, tell me, tell me about like going to, you know, university of Colorado and then leaving to go then to Berkeley. Right. Yeah, it was like, you know, Colorado was easy. It's in the same town I grew up in. So I didn't at that time really have a desire to like move out of Colorado and especially Boulder. Um, so that's why I, you know, first stayed and it was easy enough to get in to see you and, you know, still be home kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I also had these other bands happening. So, okay. you know, out education. So I was like, wanted to be around and still do those projects. Um, and then, uh, yeah, after the first summer, 
we came back to the percussion department, like first meeting and um, the, the head of the percussion department, this great, amazingly talented, like unbelievable percussionist musician. He was asking us what we did over the summer. And I was like, Oh man, I went to all these shows at Red Rocks and I saw, you know, Primus and 311 and the Wailers and Nine Inch Nails, you know, all this stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, I think there was a, a dead show there too. And he was like, oh, I think I've heard of one of those bands. And I, was like, <laughs> I don't want to be learning from this guy. Like, <laughs> like he doesn't that's rock awesome, enough. <laughs> but I want to be doing something more modern. And really that was the, that was the impetus. So, you know, it's like we looked into Berkeley and we could make it happen. And that was just it. It's just like, literally I was studying classical percussion at CU mm-hmm. and the opportunities after that are like, you know, orchestras and symphonies and that's all great, but that just wasn't what I was interested in. So it's like Berkeley is modern music, Mm -hmm. uh, jazz, rock, you know, all that kind of stuff. So since you're already attending, uh, university of Colorado in the music department, was it uh, pretty easy to transfer over to Berkeley or did they make you go through the whole audition process? Uh, so it was funny is at the time they weren't doing auditions to get in. And that, that is my loose understanding is that that kind of like fluctuates um, mm-hmm. depending on probably how many people they want or need to be attending, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which will go up and down. You know, it's funny. It's like after we all finished, they built this like skyscraper next to the building that we first went into. And it's just like, okay, cool. That's where my money went. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so you know, I think at the time, and it's always different too, but depending on the president that they have of the okay. school, I think they were like going through a, a president change at the time. But anyways, mm-hmm. I didn't have to audition. Um, okay. They, they have you sort of write up a thing for yourself, like an intro essay. And they just want to make sure that you have some experience playing music because they, not all the majors there are performance based. They just want okay. to know they some idea what it's like to be a musician because there's like music therapy there's obviously the recording of there's music business so like if you're a musician and they have they know that you know what it's like to be on the other side of the glass stay in a studio then you'll be able to work with people better and same with like music business if you know what it's like to be a musician you're going to have a better idea of what it is to be a musician needing business things so right 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 that makes a lot of sense it's interesting because so, i've i've interviewed a lot of people uh, that have went to berkeley and it's everyone's got a different tale of how they got in it's like i had to do like this crazy you know sight reading audition and this that and the other thing and i or like they just let me in i didn't have to do anything yep. which yep, is, I will say, some of the people that were in the same year that I got in, I was like, Oh, you just got a guitar for high school graduation present. Didn't you? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Like, I wonder how many of the people just went in there thinking like, Oh, this is, yeah, I got this. And then just was way over their head. Yeah. I think it happens a lot. People are like, Oh, I'm going to go to be a rock star, be a rock star school. And then they're like, no, you have to read music and, uh, you know, study all this. And you have to know what you're doing. Like they don't really transfer credits in. So I did have to like, you sort of m- maybe like audition or test out of classes. Some of which oh, that to get credits in the other school, but they used a different book or a different system slightly. So you can be like, listen, I know how to do this music theory. So put me into the fourth level or whatever, but like they don't just take like direct 
Or right. They, they want to make sure you're there for, they get four years of money out of you. Yeah. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, is, then the band starts there. Is that kind of how, or were you, yeah, so, is that how you guys got to met? My, like, t- tell me, uh, yeah. like, so you get there and then what's, what happens first? So I had had a bunch of other bands before Dopapod, um, including a video game cover band. That was my first band there. Oh, right. Another band. Uh, yeah, that was really fun. We were like dream theater playing Nintendo songs. That's <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> seven, seven, seven string guitar, froggy guys, like just shredding. That's Some awesome. Of them didn't even know the games because they were too young, but we were just like, here's the music. And they're like, sick, this is awesome. And just shred. So, um, and then I had another band that was called Cash Fools that was like blues rock, Chili Peppers, Jimi Hendrix, super fun. Um, but yeah, and actually, so the way I met Dopapod was, uh, so they were already at least a duo, if not moving into a trio at the time that I met them. So it was mm-hmm. Elon Keys and Mikey Karuba, who was in Turquoise on drums. And then they added Rob on guitar at some point. But right around that time, I was I had a show with Cashed Fools and I would do a sh- often do a show and then do like an after party somewhere with more music. So I had like recently met Eli and knew about Dopapod. And I was like, hey, Eli, do you want to come play this after party that we're trying to do? And he was like, sure. And then as the date came, we weren't going to do the after party. And he was also like, hey, we can't do it because we're going to go play this festival in upstate New York. And he was like, it was, it was like the next day, so, but on the same weekend, but he was mm-hmm. like, you should, you should come to this festival. And I had also been playing percussion with random bands kind of like all the time at that time. So I was like, can I just come and play some percussion with you guys? And he was like, sure. So we had like a little rehearsal. I just brought like a kumbia and a cowbell and everyone was like, this is really cool. We should do this. So we did that show and then yeah, I just stayed on in percussion um, and that was like 2009. So they had already done like a good amount of shows either as the trio, but that was also when Chuck was coming in on bass, like right around that same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that point, the five piece was formed. Okay. And so you did that, that show. And then well, when's the band kind of take off? Were you, did you guys all finish Berkeley and then the band yeah, started so building? Think, like somewhere in that 2009, 2010, we started to do some like tours. Okay. Um, Eli, this guy named Josh Phillips, he had a band called Josh Phillips Folk Festival out of Asheville, and he organized like uh, something like five or ten days in the northeast where they would come up and open for us, and then five or ten days in the southeast, and we would open for them. Um, so we did that, and that was just kind of the beginning of our touring. So we did a couple of those, and then <laughs> all of this at the same time, uh, Mikey you know, it was playing drums, me playing percussion, Eli on keys. Mm-hmm. We were also in turquoise. And oh, performed. at the same time. At the same time. And so okay. at some point, um, it became clear that both were too busy for such crossover. So Mikey went to drums in turquoise and I took over drums in Dopapod. And, and that's right about when both bands really just like started touring heavily. So it's like, late 2010 is when we i think we got like a booking agent and we got our van and trailer and all that stuff and just really started hitting the road okay and was it uh from from there i mean like were you doing like full like u.s tours at this point or was it short little runs or yeah we started spiraling out um 
you know, it's a lot of Northeast obviously, which is very uh, Mm -hmm. good for the jam scene. And then, yeah, getting inching into the South and inching into the Midwest. Um, We never even got to Colorado until I think late 2011, but yeah, we would go out for like six weeks at a time shows almost every night. Um, But just, just spiraling out further and further. Like as you're doing that, like obviously you're building a fan base and like, what would you say like the the next kind of milestone in your guys' career was? That's a good question. Um, I think it was probably like a pretty steady growth and just consistent uh, touring like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once we started getting onto like bigger festivals and, and sort of feeling that hype, around us and the momentum and the energy, you know, we, we felt pretty, pretty buzz. Like, like we were buzzing as a band and mm-hmm. uh, the growth was, was like strong and, you know, you could feel it. Um, so it was pretty steady like that for a couple of years. And then I think we got like, I guess around mid 2013, we started working with a new booking agent um, and some of our management stuff changed, but that, and then, like that was really a big step for us. And then also that was when I left the band for a little while. Oh, okay. So did you left to pursue other interests? I mean, I don't even know if you want to go into it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, the, the short story is I was like pretty overwhelmed by the road, had some uh-huh. other personal stuff going on. So I took some time off to just like relax and uh, check in with myself. Mm-hmm. I went to like a 10 day meditation thing and that just like, I mean, that set me up for a, a lot of like a huge life change. So um, they had taken on another drummer as a substitute for like a couple of months. And then I was like, Hey guys, I'm ready to come back. And they're like, well, we're kind of, we're going to stick with this guy. Um, and Ouch. That must've been pretty yeah. like heartbreaking. <laughs> I would think. Right. It, de- it definitely was. Um, and it was understandable. Like, you know, especially looking back, it's just like, it just, the road just gets so intense and makes yeah. you crazy. You're not like checking in with yourself or with the team consistently, then it can really explode. And that's, that's pretty much what happened. It was like, you know, uh, just, just a, a hard left turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, once like, you get the news that they're going to keep this guy, like, I mean, your identity is a, as a drummer, do you just start trying to find another band to do or like, how so do you handle that? Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking for my momentum as like a person with this group and my identity there, but I also have always been in like tons of other bands. So, you know, I have, I had a band called elephant wrecking ball, which was also started right around the same time I joined dope pod and also Chuck, the bass player of dope pod. And I had another band called mom and dad, which also started right around that same time. Um, and so immediately it was just like, all right, all these other groups, like let's, let's go for it. You know, let's okay. I'm available now. Um, and so, you know, I, I was able to keep playing and keep creating, mm-hmm. keep being a drummer. I mean, it's like, even my mom said it, she was like, there's, even if you're not in that band, like, it's not like you're going to stop doing this, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So, <laughs> and so it was just really a big shift. Yeah. And then how, how many years until you like rejoining the band and like how did that all happen so i would say like 2016 maybe late 2015 
you know, by then, like I'm friends with everybody again, mm-hmm. you know, we've had our space and time and it's all good. And they were starting to reach out and just, you know, kind of loosely chat about like maybe this idea, you know, you know, it was weird. I don't know how much of this stuff is like shareable on the interviews. I don't know if this is like pending everyone else in the band's approval, but they were, you know, they were like, we're really interested in having you come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then at some point we just kind of like made the decision mm-hmm. and I came back like late summer, 2016. Okay. And, and then just from there. Yeah. Obviously you've still been still, still been playing with them since then. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm just curious because I, I did see like on your guys Wikipedia page that you that you played Red Rocks in 2015. Was that a show that you were able to be a part of or it was so and, and that must know, have been huge for you. Right. I mean, to be playing your where you grew up in the probably the venue that you said you saw all these amazing bands at. Totally. Yeah. Um, I I went to the show and I think that they I think because of all that, they like wanted to invite me to, you know, sit in on a song and know be a part of it so so i did go and i sat in on one song and that was like you know obviously amazing and an honor and super cool mm-hmm. that is awesome that, that's cool that you got, were able to play it still no matter yeah the circumstance yeah. or whatever that's that's awesome so you, when you, you rejoined the band in 2016 and um from there are you guys back on the road i mean you put out at least two records in within the next couple of years from that yeah. point um yeah we we got back on the road right away you know, I got kind of got back in at the end of festival season. And then, uh, we did like, we did a huge tour with pigeons playing ping pong. Oh, cool. Uh, I love that band. Yeah. It was like co-headlining. So we would like alternate who was like playing first or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was my first tour back. And then I think in the following summer, we set up and recorded tons of music, um, for the next album, which I think was mega gym. Mm Mm-hmm. And we recorded so much stuff that like we couldn't even put it all out because we decided to do a vinyl, which is obviously very limited. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so we still had, we had other recordings that I think we put out on other albums after that. Okay. That session, but. And then coming like, I mean, well, you put a record out in 2019. Did you have a chance to, to really tour on that album or really support that album before the pandemic? Yeah. So do you know about the break that we took? I don't. Can okay. So, so that, end of 2017 or really it was like in the summer of 2017 uh chuck and our like guy luke they were like we want to take a break yeah i, I did read that you guys went on like a hiatus and had like solo projects right and other things yeah, going so on we, okay we, so we took a year off of dopapod like a very planned calendar year at least okay just to you know just settle same kind of thing that i had been going for but you know um and uh it ended up being a really great thing just time to reset you know and like take inventory on like everything in your life and as a band and all that kind of stuff um and so yes so then we come back april of 2019 and we kept it pretty limited we did like a handful of festivals over the summer and then like a small number of shows in the fall and you know we we had i think a pretty decent tour uh booked for 2020 winter um mm-hmm. and yeah we did like we did a west coast run and and then it happened <laughs> were you on the road when it when it was shutting down yeah. we were so we were like on march 12th we were flying in to columbus ohio and um we're getting so our our buddy who was a crew guy of ours 
was running the venue that we were going to go play at on mm-hmm. March 13th. And uh, they, he's texting all of us like the governor's shutting down big gatherings. You know, we were supposed to do like a thousand person outdoor thing in a huge tent and it was, they have like a small venue. So they do it outside. And then uh, he's like, I'm moving it inside. We're going to do 250. And then later that day, it's like, it's now it's 50 people. And like, you know, this is all this like uh, guidelines are coming in or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're all just like traveling that day, like into this. We're like, what the fuck is going to happen here? Um, and then basically we were like, all right, well, we were not going to do that show. And we called up um, somebody who have a studio and we knew some like film crew kind of people. And so we were able to basically that day pull off a live stream. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. And I remember like being in the airport before I was even on my flight, uh, talking to another buddy of mine who was like, he he had been i don't know maybe a little hip more hip to what was about to go down than other people at that moment he was like mm-hmm. man live streams that's going to be the thing like over the next year like you know this is what's going to go down and then we ended up yeah doing this like it was just funny because it felt like we were like the first ever live stream right know, just, no i was gonna just, say it sounds like it. <laughs> so you were like pioneering that well that's crazy yeah. i mean it's wow so were you you i mean you've obviously flew into columbus ohio but before that were did you have shows like in the throughout the, fr- the front of March? We had, we had been uh, doing some weekends and we were like in the studio and then do weekend shows and in the studio weekend okay. shows. And yeah, I remember actually uh, Washington, D.C. We played a show and that day was the first day where it was like no handshakes. It was like... Oh, yeah. Clubs and elbows. The elbows. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember first, that. They were shifting into that and then it was like probably the following weekend was the, that 12th, 13th. Wow. Yeah. The last interview I did in person was um, like right around that same time. And it was with G love from G love and special sauce. And it was like in that weird time where it was like, it was a thing, like people knew about it. And like, it was like, we kind of did the, you know, elbow, but we, we still took a picture all close to each other, which is funny, yes. but it was like, kind of like, we were kind of joking about it a little Never. bit because it was like, obviously no one knew the extent of what was really happening. And then it was like, okay, wow. That yeah. it, it just, it happened so fast. Like the NBA shuts down and then like Tom Hanks gets it. And then it's like, Oh, you know, we should really <laughs> consider uh, what's really happening here. But I would, yeah, I didn't know if you maybe were seeing any sort of decline in sh- like, maybe you had, you knew you sold a thousand tickets and only 300 right. people showed up or anything like that. Yeah. No, it all just collapsed instantaneously. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, wow. no gradual. Uh, no gradual. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But at least you were able to pull off the live stream. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was wild. You know, it's like we're in, it was, it was fortunate to be inside of like a nice studio. So we had a nice room for us to set up in mm-hmm. and we did some silly shit with our lights where they were like, literally like we we're kind of set up in a tight circle and the lights were like over us, you know, oh, we had, right with us and everything so we, you know we wanted to make it cool we had a couple cameras and everything and uh so yeah we're just like playing to ourselves and to like the handful of people in the control room and you know it's like we would rock out and do this like epic jam and finish this song and then it's just like you know like 
Crickets. <laughs> eventually, eventually, the dudes in the control room would like turn on the microphone for them and be like, "Yeah, like they're all cheering." Oh, okay. so weird. Um, they show you like the screen of all the thumbs and hearts coming yeah. up. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so then, how quickly after you get back do you start working on you know the new music and what you have coming out soon? Oh, as far as returning from. Yeah, no, from like, you know, you get home from the pandemic, the pandemic's in full swing. And I'm sure for a while, everyone's just like locked on the TV or whatever. And like, then we, we had, we had done two or three studio sessions leading right up to that point to record like the basics and stuff for the, for this album and these, these singles and stuff. So fortunately for us, we had been able to do all of the, like all of us together in a room stuff right before that happened. And, and then it actually worked out really well where we're able to do all of the rest of it, you know, overdubs, solos, vocals, any other production and and things, uh, just really like with no time pressure. Cause it's like, ideally you put out an album and then you go on tour or whatever. So that was not going to happen. So we're like, mm-hmm. okay, we got kind of a very undetermined amount of time to do this. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, we were able to do like, do it really well and not have a time pressure and not sacrifice anything to time and, you know, get something really cool made. Was it, uh, do you feel like it affected the record at all? Like as far as like sonically or like you had just, I mean the time, the, the, especially the amount of time you had with it. Yeah. I mean, it was really great. We've never really been able to like have that much time. It was, you know, it's a bittersweet thing. Cause we have this music, we're excited to get it out there. And, but we just like the timelines aren't right to sort of do it correctly yeah Um, i mean even now things are kind of up and down all the time it's weird yeah i mean we've had this thing finished since 2000 or since uh probably yeah last summer wow trying to think about where the hell i was when we're what what year is it all right uh (laughs) yeah pretty much finished up by the summer and then i mean i don't know if like when is this coming out uh, whenever you guys wanted to because okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the the two things that made this made it really delayed uh is um vinyl you're right yeah the plants being shut down Ma- yeah massive delays so yeah that's a buddy that- of mine struggling with that right now him and his band like they have this record and they're like we don't know we're, it's done but we don't know when it's going to come out because we don't know when the vinyl plants are going to be like able to press it so we're still waiting <laughs> yeah i think we were we had looked at december 12th of last year as a release date and then then because of this and, and that was even with vinyl but then because of this other thing that we decided to do which is going to be really cool. And this is the stuff that's like, nobody knows about this yet. So just be quiet. Um, <laughs> is uh, we're turning the album, the album artwork is a board game. Wow. So, that is dope. Yeah. So we invented this board game uh, to be part of the album release. And then that creating that is what took a ton of extra time in the artwork and everything else. So now it's going to come out in like May. Um, okay yeah i did see that yeah the release date of may i didn't know anything about this this board game um but i'll make sure to hold the interview until you guys yeah, announce the board this, game if this is supposed to come out before that just maybe cut that part but yeah but i want to know i'm curious about the board game so i don't know if we could spend because i want to i'll i'll yeah I'll, I'll 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 figure it out with your 
your side of the of yeah. the camp and but i, I want to hold it now because i'm curious to hear all about this yeah. board game and like what a creative idea that is like you have to invent a game like you yeah, guys invented so, a game so so our sounded like guy luke um he had spent most of his pandemic becoming a he's a big like D D guy okay super, super fantasy guy all this always has been but he started drawing maps for D D games like this is something you can do. I guess you draw a map, you put it up online, people like buy it and then they use it for their, when they play. Okay. Uh, he like started a Patreon. He's got his own like thing about it. He like, then he's just, now he's like pays his mortgage doing that. Um, wow. And, That's yeah. incredible. He Patreon so hard that Patreon's like, you know, this is like, <laughs> this is how you fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, here's a playbook page. Just yeah. what this guy's doing. <laughs> so, uh, so we were talking about all that one day and I think Eli was like, it'd be so cool if we could like make this album a game somehow. And so just that like started the wheels and because he, because Luke makes all of these uh, maps and stuff, you know, this is what he's been doing. He's been drawing all this stuff. He's a great artist. And so we're like, all right, uh, Luke, can you make us a board game? And so we figured out how to do it. And it's this whole infinity symbol is like the, the track you put the pieces on and each piece each square is a song name from our previous albums and the whole thing is like this idea you're like trapped in the dopapod land and you need to build like a time machine to like get out of it and like because all of our songs have this very we so, like even deeper we sort of realize that like all of our songs and all of our albums can sort of be connected into this like overall conceptual it's like a seven album concept album <laughs> about like wow. travel and being present and all these things. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what the game's about loosely. And so we like made the, made the board, he drew the board up and then it was like, cool, now we have to make a game. And in the end, I pretty much made all of it. It's just sort of like what happens is you land on a square. It has a song title. You look at the chart and the chart tells you something you have to do like with like dice or something like that to achieve a letter of dopapod so once you spell out all of the letters then you go to like the middle part and that's the portal and then you do a couple more of those and then you win the game um so i had to come up with all these like dice challenges and like things to do when you land on the square and like all these other rules and all these things and we wow know. yeah so i that had no idea that i was going to make a board game uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, did you, like, did you play a lot of board games? Like, how did you, yeah. or did you just kind of, I mean, it's like pretty simple. They put that on you. They're like, okay, you're going to figure out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is that we were like, we, you know, we all wanted to collaborate on it and do it, but it ended up being pretty clear that like, I was really motivated to do it. Eli was really motivated to do it, but definitely as far as people who have experience playing board games, I was higher in that realm. Got uh, it. I'm not like a mega game nerd, probably like Luke or whatever. That's, you know, Luke was helping me with the overall, you know, things. And we go back and forth and actually Adam, one of our managers is a big gamer too. So we had the support team to make sure it was cool. <laughs> Cause that's the thing is like, you can make this game all day, but like, does it suck? <laughs> right. Right. Did you have like a focus group of people that were going to play it and figure it out? <laughs> yeah, it so fun? I played it with a couple friends at first and like, you know, really figured out, all right, this, this needs to change. You know, this makes it not fun. Cause you got to figure out like how long it takes and like, is it fun to keep going this long? And like, you know, like, is it, is it engaging where like we've made a bunch of rules where now you can like steal letters from people or, you know, all these, you know, it makes it a little more 
active um, right. and fun. So, um, and the idea too is maybe in the future we'll set, we'll create separate sets of rules because really you have a board and then you can just kind of make up your own game. So, you know, all these sort of things can happen, you know, even fucking Uno comes out with like new versions, you know, right. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, you know, there's like a website where there's like other ways to play or like whatever, but for now we just made the one game just, you know, and we wanted to make it so that like you buy the album, you're like, Holy shit, it's a board game. And then you can play with like whatever you have lying around the house. Like hopefully you got some fucking dice and like a quarter for your game piece, you know, like, uh, the okay. That was my next question. If you like, if it, if you provided the game pieces or you just yeah. kind of pick your own, we're going to, we're going to make, some like a set of game pieces and dice and stuff that will like you can buy right right just with the album but at first it's just like if you just bought this album and you're like holy shit this is a board game you could just play it right away got it that's so rad what a creative yeah. idea no one's done that yeah i that's don't think like, anyone's done <laughs> that's like blowing my mind that's so awesome so you had to obviously base the album artwork off of what the game board was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what he drew for the game board became the album cover. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. So I definitely will. Uh, I want to save this interview because I want people to hear all yeah. about this game because <laughs> this is so rad. Um, and okay. Yeah, this little will, segment will come out later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, tell me about the, the, the record then a little bit. Um, it, I mean, it sounds like you had it done for a while, like after it was finished and the, you have this game element to it. Um, were you, are you guys working on new music at this point oh, too? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, uh, that's yeah. what it's curious <laughs> because um, as a musician, I'm sure you're writing constantly. And then you've had this one record that's kind of sitting there like, okay, we need to get it out, but we're moving yeah. steps forward. So, yeah. We're like, we are like creatively, you know, three years past that album is like what it feels like you know as in like yeah you know we're releasing these singles right now but also we're just like so moved on from that music you know like of course we still love it and it's and it's our thing but like our excitement is a little different than you know like right the management or the fan base's excitement <laughs> yeah you guys but, are probably like that's yeah, awesome but wait till you hear what you yeah, know totally. <laughs> in three years you'll get to hear this amazing song that we wrote. it's so funny that you know like like even like this was a, a a different album recording opportunity for us to do this one because we wrote a lot of songs in the studio and that is something we never really did before usually it was like okay we have tons of songs written it's time to put them onto a recorded format and so mm -hmm. we'll go into the studio and that's why that last one you know we we did like 20 songs or something and only put out eight of them because we've had these songs written for the whole time um and then this one we were able to actually write a bunch just for this album so they haven't been played yet um there's a couple songs that have been in rotation for a while but maybe been reworked a little bit for this album um but for the most part most of this album's never been heard live um and that'll be happening over the next you know summer even before the right before the album comes out we were we were in this feeling of like you know it's like a thing to do as like a rock uh or just like you know, a typical band on a label or something, you don't play songs until the album is out. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And we, but since jam world's different and we've never been able to do that, we were like, Oh, we should do that this time. That'll be really cool. And then we started working with like a publicist, this PR person it's probably who set this up, whatever. And they were like, no, 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 play the songs. Like <laughs> you need to like hype everybody up about it. And like, because of the way our scene works too, it, it'll be a lot of really organic sharing and, 
hyping right. up about it and stuff. So then it was like, all right, cool. And you know, also too, we were like, oh, we put so much time and effort into the studio versions. We want that to be what people hear first. But then we started playing some of them live, and we're like, oh, this is even better. Like, <laughs> so, you know, it and and I'm feeling the idea now to really separate the studio version from a live version. Like the biggest influence in that for me, for example, is like Ween. I don't know if you listen to Ween. Oh yeah. Yeah. But for sure. Their studio shit is just like, what is this wild, like keyboard toy from Kmart that you guys right. made just fucking album on? <laughs> and then you're like, how the hell are we going to play this live? And then they just go play it. And it's the most epic rock and roll shit that you possibly can. Right. So exactly. Allow that separation to exist. And, 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 and then it's like you even, you have even more stuff as a, artists you're like yeah this is the weird album version but then here's our rocking fucking live version like i love it so that's amazing well neil thank you so much for for doing this i can't wait to to see the record and play the board game and (laughs) everything else so um i appreciate your time i real. i have one more quick question i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists what um (laughs) yeah uh I always say, you know, just keep putting out stuff. Don't hold things to be so precious. Like, because something that you think is like the best song you've ever written might be like, you know, not received as well as you'd hope. And you have no control over that. (laughs) But if you love it, then you love it. And that's fucking awesome. That's like all you can get. And then maybe sometime you write a song that you thought was like, maybe not your best. And then everyone loves it. And then, Fortunately, that, you know, might gain you some like attention and then you can show them that song that you think is the best. And then they'll be like, oh, that's fucking awesome, too. But really just like not having, you know, expectations of how things are going to go. And and as such, just keep creating because you never know what's going to hit or what's going to be the best one or or what you're going to like the most. You know, sometimes we write songs that like at first we're like, yeah, I don't really like this. And then after you play it a long time, you're like find a new way to do it and whatever so it's just like keep putting it out keep going don't hold it so precious and and have fun and then i just recently thought of this one myself the only time i've ever messed up performing is when i stopped having fun <laughs> <laughs>